This is the Gospel and Mental Health Podcast. We are the Morgans, and we believe that by incorporating the Gospel of Jesus Christ, we can build better relationships, improve our mental health, and become better people. Welcome to the Gospel of Mental Health. I'm Kristen Morgan, and my husband, Dr. David Morgan, is here. Hello. <laughs> it's been a while, but we are back, and we are excited to tackle a new topic related to Gospel of Mental Health. So I chose something today based on uh, some thoughts that have been on my, on my mind and some discussions that Dave and I have had. So we're just going to dive right in, right? Yes. We are <laughs> glad to be back. It's been... A long time. It's been like over a year. <laughs> and but now we figure it's time. We have a new microphone, so that's good. And uh, a little more time on our hands because of COVID. So maybe it's a even better time to get back in the saddle. Exactly. I find the topic that we chose ironic based on the fact that it has been over a year since we've done a podcast, but we're committing to do to do them more frequently. So so today we're going to talk about the idea of choosing discomfort now versus discomfort later. So, you know, making changes in our life can be challenging when we are faced, you know, with situations that might have some disappointment, some discomfort in them. It's up to us to decide whether we're going to deal with that now or with them later. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, it just comes into play so much just in our regular life, but especially with mental health challenges. So let's talk for a second about change. What is it about change that is so hard? Um, well, usually because just of the way it's because of the way our brain works, um, change, I don't know, change change is usually hard just when it comes to things that we've done for a very long time or things you've never done before. Um, right. Well, you said example of, uh, you talk about it a lot when you speak or write, but you talk about those pathways in your brain. Right. So maybe explain that. So our brain is just this, it's this giant um, system of connections and the brain is constantly creating new connections. Um, it, you could, I guess you could uh, view it as a bunch of, of, um, like sidewalks that aren't all necessarily connected. And so there's these little bridges in between them. And what happens is the brain creates new sidewalks or new paths for any new behavior that you learn. And the more you do that behavior, the easier it gets. Um, I have a good friend who is an amazing piano player. And I remember we were, um, we were, we were going to sing something for a church thing. And so I sent him the music and I said, hey, uh, his name is Blaine. And I said, Blaine, will you, um, can you play this for me? He said, absolutely. And it was a really complicated piece. It was fast and had a lot of runs in it and stuff. And so uh, we got to the church and he pulled the music out. And I said, have you had a chance to look at it? He says, no, not yet. And he sat down and he starts playing it. And it was just amazing <laughs> at playing it. And he says, well, I need to play it a couple of times. But he really, I mean, from the very beginning, he just really kind of, it sounded amazing to me. And the reason that it was so amazing is because he's practiced the piano so much over the course of decades that his brain has created all of these kind of connections that make piano playing very easy for him. If I were to sit down and try to do that same thing, 
I'd have to, you know, look on the keyboard and try to find where middle C is and go from there. And I just wouldn't be able to do it. So the more that we do something, the easier it gets to, um, the easier it becomes to do. Now, if my friend Blaine tried to sit down and play a piano piece hitting wrong notes every five notes, he probably would have a hard time doing it because his brain is so accustomed to hitting the correct notes that for him to move his fingers to a place where that is not reflected on the musical score would be almost impossible. And so it's it's both for good or for bad whatever we whatever you do more consistently your brain facilitates and so if you are in a habit of sleeping in every day and you've been doing that for 30 years and you decide okay i'm gonna be a morning person i'm gonna get up at 5 30 tomorrow morning and start doing that you're gonna find that's extremely difficult because your brain is like hey we sleep until eight we've been doing that for 20 years we have eight o'clock wake up pathways that we use and now you want to introduce a 5 30 a.m pathway so it's just going to be difficult to overcome that if you keep waking up consistently at 530, then, you know, in a year, you're not going to be able to sleep into eight if you wanted to. Right. I love this idea because it's such a visual thing to me. I and mean, we've all been on a path, you know, like I do a, a walk every day and there's a path kind of through this little wooded area and, you know, it's worn down because people have walked that over and over and over. Or I always think of the example, I think we've all done this where we've gotten in the car to drive somewhere we're not really thinking and we end up like at church or <laughs> at work or right. somewhere that we didn't really plan but that was just like you know it's sunday morning and we get in our car and we go there so it, i think that's a, a i don't know a kind of a concrete example of our brains just they want to go down a path that they've gone down all the time right and when we're trying to change those paths then it's that much more complicated because our brain doesn't want to go there. Exactly. Awesome. So I, I we were talked about some examples uh, from our own life of of this idea of kind of giving up uh, or giving up discomfort now for later. So you had one about saving money. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it, I think it's just something that probably most people go through is that if you um, like I've, I've been, I think about retirement quite a bit, you know, and, and eventually being able to retire and worry about whether we're going to have enough money to do that. And so every month I have to take a, a decent amount of money and send it off to the retirement people so they can put it in a bank account and, you know, invest it so that we can use it 30 years from now. There's a lot that I could do with that money every month. There's a lot of fun things I could do with that money every month. You know, we could, um, if it if Disneyland wasn't closed, we could take an awesome trip to Disneyland every single month with the you know amount of money that we save for retirement. So what that would be more fun right. than sending this money, writing a check, and sending this money to someone else. But I but then you know, thirty years from now, we're sitting around and can't do anything because. I'm not working anymore or I have to work until I'm 90 or something like that, which I don't want to do. So it's that idea that people often talk about it and call it delayed gratification, which is saying it's okay to, to um, you know, want to have some good things and want to do some fun stuff, but you can't do everything all the time. You have to choose. And so sometimes you have to, so you can either choose comfort now, which I could, and we can go to Disneyland every month or, and be in the poorhouse when we're 70, or we can choose to maybe go to Disneyland once a year now and then have a decent retirement. 
Right. And and this idea of discomfort, sometimes it often happens when we feel like we, we need to make a change. So we're not totally comfortable where we're at. Something's uncomfortable now, but the question is how uncomfortable is it making it, making us, and is it inspiring us to make change? And I was just thinking to years ago when we were first married, our, my first job, um, right after we got married, we were at BYU and the only job that I could get, you know, in time, cause we were poor and we needed to pay our bills was to work for grounds. Um, so I worked in like raked leaves and mowed lawns and I hated it. <laughs> I'm not an outdoor person. I don't love yard work. Uh, you know, the weather isn't great, um, all the time in Utah. And I remember I just really disliked that job. I, I have very vivid memories of having to walk, you know, to the grounds crew office and change my clothes into these old grubby clothes. Um, and I didn't like this job. Now I also was pretty shy, which people that know me now will find that hard to believe, but I really was shy and, and trying to do something new or, you know, trying to apply for another job or put myself out there was, very uncomfortable. And, and so then I was stuck, right? Because I didn't like my job, but I also didn't want the discomfort of applying for other jobs and possibly being rejected. And so I had, I had to work through that and eventually decided that I disliked grounds enough that I was going to put myself out there and ended up um, applying for and getting a job, you know, an office job with off-campus housing that I loved, but I had to see I had to confront that discomfort in the hopes of something better. And that job was better for me than grounds. Well, and anyone who's familiar with uh, really, I mean, most definitely the gospel of Jesus Christ or any organized religion, this idea of having to sacrifice something now for something better later is just, it's everywhere. Right. I mean, that, that's all we do. Um uh, for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it, you know, we make we make agreements with God, we make covenants with Him, where we say, "I will do these things or not do these things," with the expectation of a reward later. And sometimes that reward is fairly immediate in terms of just a good feeling or the presence of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes we're talking about our, our ultimate eternal reward, where we can return to be with our Father in heaven. But all of that requires a sacrifice. You can't have everything you want right now. You can't say, I'm going to uh, rob as many people as I want to right now so I can have plenty of money so I can go to Disneyland every week. Um, if I rob enough people, I can do that. Uh, and then still expect to be able to you know, get the benefits of feeling good about yourself or avoiding jail or something like that. So um, religion has preached this idea of, of delayed gratification forever. And it's a good principle. It's, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's based in, in good, solid reasoning and in godly reasoning as well. He's saying it's, it's a good thing to delay what feels like it's good right now for something much better later. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's build on that and talk about the mental health application. So how does this idea then relate to mental health issues? So that one of the biggest challenges people have with mental health is um, it's difficult. It's like we talked about at the beginning, it's difficult to change longstanding patterns of behavior. And so let's take someone who's depressed, for example, 
and they have um, you know just depressive thoughts every day they've had depressive thoughts every day for 10 years when you have those sorts of thoughts regardless of where it comes from sometimes it's primarily the way you think and sometimes it's uh, could be because what other people have said to you sometimes it's because of um, you know things that could be wrong with your brain uh, partially that create these types of issues but regardless of how it's being caused your brain is developing pathways that are depressive pathways and so the easy thing just like my friend who can sit down and play this incredibly complex piece you know the moment he looks at it if you're if you have these these pathways of depression in your brain and you try to think a positive thought it's very very difficult because your brain says well no that's not how we operate we have all these ready-made depressive paths throw up a depressive thought and fantastic we can process that in in you know two seconds because we know how to do that it's it seems so applicable also to to situations that cause anxiety anxiety right mm -hmm. because we're we're programmed to once we get in that situation whatever it is you know speaking in front of people leaving your house I don't know what, whatever people are anxious about that just being in that situation sort of fires up those pathways and we just want to have the, the same response. Right. And so then when people, so then someone will say, okay, well, I need to change this or I don't, I don't like the way this is. And, um, and so then they say, well, what do I have to do to change? Well, you've got to go to counseling. Someone says you got to go to counseling and you've got to go sit in there with this person that you don't know who is going to ask you questions you don't want to answer and it's going to be very uncomfortable and you've got to do that week after week after week after week and and even then you're not going to see significant results right away it could take months or years to overcome these patterns especially if you've held them for a really long time so then someone says well that sounds like a lot of work i don't know if i want to do that and maybe it's more comfortable to just sit with what i've got um, and, and which is one reason people get stuck. Another reason people get stuck and why change is often difficult is because they, if your mental health issues were primarily caused by someone else, let's say you were in an abusive relationship, or let's say you grew up with parents who were very um, antagonistic or told you all kinds of negative things growing up or, or something like that. And you say, well, the reason I am the way I am now is because of this person. And that could be true. I mean, a, a lot of the things that, that are going on in your head could be because of those experiences you went through. And so then you say, therefore, I'm not responsible because it's so-and-so's fault. Therefore, I don't have to do anything to change it. And that's just it doesn't work that way. Um, it's like if you had a, you know, if, if you have a car that gets a flat tire and then you think, well, why did it get a flat tire? Well, it could have got a flat tire because you didn't replace the tires for 10 years and they got worn down to the threads and the tire went flat. Well, now you got a flat tire. Or it could be that your neighbor came and slashed your tires and now you got a flat tire. Well, in one case, it's your fault. In the other case, it's not your fault. But in both cases, no one else is going to fix that for you. You can't just sit there and wait in your car for someone to come fix your tires. Right. You have to do something about that. And so regardless of what causes our mental health issues, we have to do something about it. And so that's another thing that kind of gets in the way of change is that people they're waiting around for someone else to make the first move we always have to make the first move um, when it comes to change otherwise it, it it rarely happens and i would dare say it probably never happens unless we 
do something about it. Yeah, there's a, a great quote that I found from Elder Renlund, uh, Dale G. Renlund, and he said, most blessings that God desires to give us require action on our part. And I think that's just it. I think oftentimes we're so stuck in just getting started on the action. It, it just seems too hard and we don't see sort of that long view. We're uncomfortable. There, you know, we're, we might even be miserable, but we often kind of can't get off the dime. And I found for myself that rarely does motivation happen prior to me making the first step to change. Um, for example, exercise. I rarely wake up every morning just super excited to exercise. In fact, I would say that never happens. <laughs> but once I get out the door and start exercising, then the motivation comes. And I find that generally speaking, it becomes a little bit easier the next time, or it's a little bit easier to choose to eat healthier that day. Right. Well, and, and what we find is that when we engage in these, you know, healthier behaviors in time, we start to see the results of that. Um, there's really, I don't know, in my experience, anything that that has like long lasting value almost always takes a, a good amount of time to work up to it right um it just and, and maybe that's by design maybe heavenly father's just trying to teach us patterns of of discipline and um you know sticking to what we've committed to do so that's part of the challenge is that we you know you can get a very immediate reward I get it all the time. I'll come home from work and I have two options. One is to exercise and one is to eat half a bag of Cheetos, right? <laughs> yep. Kristen laughs because she knows which one <laughs> I typically choose. Um, and uh, if I eat that uh, bag of Cheetos, half bag of Cheetos, it feels great. Right. I mean, it tastes awesome. I love Cheetos. And um and for about, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes, I feel pretty dang good. And it feels great because I'm tired getting home from work and, and mentally tired. And, and uh, about three hours later, it feels terrible. And about two days later, it feels even worse because then I've gone up a pound right. um, in my weight. If I exercise when I get home, it's tougher because it takes effort and I'm tired afterwards. I'm going to get feel a little bit better just because I know I've done what I'm supposed to, but um, it, it does not have that, that, that very, very immediate reward that the Cheetos do. But if I were to stop eating the Cheetos for six months and exercise every night for six months, the long-term rewards are going to be awesome because right. I'll be down 15 pounds and I'll have more energy and, and, you know, those sorts of things. So, yeah, just about anything that is worthwhile, um, it you know it takes a lot of effort. It reminds me of our, our oldest son, um, who was on a mission in Chicago, and he um, he had come home early from a mission, and uh, and struggled a little while while he was home, and, and gone to some therapy while he was home, and it was really good for him. Uh, he developed some some good insights during that time, and he had a little. Um, not fascination, but just a little uh, um, hobby of My Little Pony oh, yeah. characters, and so he had a couple, like a little, little collection, little collection of My Little Pony figurines, you know, and uh, which some people thought was weird for a you know twenty three year old man, but whatever. 
And so one of his companions was giving him grief over that one time. His mission companion was like, dude, I can't believe you have like My Little Pony. And I remember Jordan told me, he said to him, look, I've spent a lot of time and gone through a lot of therapy to get to where I am right now. And so I don't care what you think about <laughs> yeah. my, my Little Pony. And, uh, and the guy was like, okay, whatever. But what Jordan was saying was, it's okay. I'm okay with this. Yeah, I put in the work. And I've put in the work yeah. to get there. And so I'm not just going to toss these to the side because you don't like them because I've worked hard to get to the point where I'm okay with who I am and what I want. I think that's one of the best things about choosing that difficult path is because once you get done with it, then you look at it and you go, dang, that was hard work. I did a lot. And so if it takes me, you know, five years to get down to a good way to develop good exercise habits, and then I get tempted to go back to old patterns, I'm partially going to say, why would I do that? I've worked right. so hard to get here. Why would I want to sacrifice that for, you know, for another half bag of Cheetos or something? Yeah. And, and the great news too, is that even though maybe the, the long-term effects or the compounded effects we won't see for a while, I would make the argument that, you can see some pretty immediate effects from making those changes, you know, making the choice to choose to have a more, po a more positive thought is going to benefit me in some way in the short term. Um, and then it will increase the likelihood of the next thought being more positive and the next thought being more positive to where that eventually, once we do those things enough, create those pathways that you talked about at the beginning, those sidewalks where that becomes the natural the natural way yeah um making yeah making healthy choices is always going to be more satisfying in the long term than making unhealthy choices the challenge is initially making healthy choices can be more difficult than making an unhealthy sure. choice and that's where the problem comes is that when on and that very first time when you make a healthy choice as opposed to the unhealthy choice you've made for 10 years in a row it's going to be really, really difficult to make that healthy choice. And so, and it's going to be more difficult than making the unhealthy choice. So you got to invest a lot more effort then. And the payoff is going to be there, like you said, but it's not going to be as strong as, I mean, the bag of Cheetos feels better initially than, than exercising feels. So, but in five years, it won't. Right. And so we just kind of have to, you have to have that faith. And I think that's taking it back to kind of the idea of the gospel is that, our Heavenly Father invites us to have faith and he says, you have to trust me that this pathway is going to be better. You're going to like this pathway better than this other one that you're thinking about or this other one that you're being tempted to take. And so, um, and we go, but this other one feels better. This other one's going to make me happy right now. He says, I I, I get it. And, and I, you're right. It will make you happy right now, but it will not, not make you happy in the long run. So please trust me that... Um, that this is going to bring you greater happiness in the long run. Absolutely. I always think that when I'm faced with these situations, whether, you know, it's a mental thing or like exercise or diet, having that question in my mind, you know, how, how am I going to feel five years from now? If I, if I continue to make these sorts of decisions um, kind of helps put it in perspective and makes, makes making a different decision a little bit easier. So so that's it. That's it for today. The challenge is to make the harder decision, the hard decision now, so that yeah. you don't have to make more difficult decisions down the road. Well, and, and I think one to to make it even just very simple, 
um, one of the strategies you can have is to do something difficult every day. Oh, every every yeah. day, do something difficult, whatever it is, and it doesn't, and and that and difficult. And you say, well, what what is difficult? Well, that's you define that. For some someone, difficult might be walking out their front door, and for someone else might be like, well, I can do my front door. That's that's a piece of cake. So that's not difficult for you, but it's difficult for someone else. But for someone else, it might be to exercise instead of grab the Cheetos. And for someone else, it might be to pick up the scriptures instead of logging on to social media or something like that. You know, whatever it is that's difficult to you, you should try to do that every day. And and don't overwhelm yourself either. Don't right. do don't try to do a hundred difficult things every day if you're only if you're not accustomed to doing anything. Just do one difficult thing. And if you do two difficult things a day, then bump it up to three. I love that because it puts us in control of of our lives As and our destiny. And I think so much of our mental anguish comes when we feel out of control. Yep. So it gives us something to do. So that's the challenge today, people. Do one difficult thing. And our difficult thing is going to be to try to do podcasts more frequently. <laughs> exactly. Which we probably said on the last podcast. So maybe don't go back and listen to that one and compare the two. You can if you want. Send us a soundbite and say, <laughs> hey, you said in 2019 you were going to do more podcasts. And now it's uh, October 2020. You're right. So we'll uh, we'll do our best. We'll, we'll try to take our own advice. That's right. <laughs> All Thanks right. for listening. <laughs> Have a great day. Okay. Bye-bye.